Welcome to Puckheads. I'm Matt Rosenberg. Alongside me, Zach Smith. Happy trade deadline day, which I am convinced should be a national holiday in the U.S. and Canada. If you would like to get onto that train, uh, please contact us at puckheads at gmail.com. Or puckheadspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can uh, leave us a comment uh, on our uh, any one of our podcasting platforms. Uh, Zach, before we get into the trade deadline and all the zaniness on the transactions, let's talk about it. Uh, this past Saturday was the 40th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice, the U.S. beating the Soviet Union 4-3 to in the semifinals. A lot of people don't always forget that they did not win the gold medal because of that and that they had to feed uh, defeat Finland uh, two days later, three to one to get the gold medal. But one of the biggest upsets in sports history, the Miracle on Ice, the 40th anniversary uh, here uh, just two days ago. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly um, one of the biggest sporting events to happen in the United States. And, uh, you know, decades at that time, just a major upset the way that the U.S. team went about it. Um as hockey fans, one of the greatest memories we'll have, um, you know, probably in our lifetime, just to see something that insane. I was listening to them talk on the radio how, even though the games were happening um, in real time, there wasn't any, it's not like they were overseas with any time delay. Um, just the difficulty in, in hearing about the scores and, and finding out what was happening, you know, it, you're in school or at, you're at work and, um hearing the play call back uh, when you get home. So just an awesome time. All the, um, you know, different documentaries, as you were telling me before, Matt, that they've done on not just the U.S. team, but the Russian team as well. Obviously, Miracle the movie and the great um, the great cinematic experience with it. Just an awesome experience and uh, crazy to think that it was only 40 years ago. I remember seeing Miracle uh, in the theaters. Oh, gosh, when it came out, which, gosh, it came out when I was in high school. I want to say it came out in like oh five, two thousand five. It's been a long time. Still one of the best movies. I mean, um, you know, Kurt Russell was great in it, and oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the guy uh, who played the goaltender who was in CSI Miami and and all that. Um, he was in Friends too. He played Tag in Friends. I can't think of his name now. Um, but anyway. Um, you know, no, it's a great movie. Great movie. And ironically, on the 40th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice, there was a little miracle in Toronto as well. Um, so James Reimer starts the game for the Carolina Hurricanes. He gets run over. And then he run run into by his own defenseman. He has to leave after the first TV timeout. Peter Morazic comes in. He played the night before. And I don't know why Peter Morazic came all the way out to the left face-off circle to try to play a pot. He gets absolutely railroaded by Kyle Clifford. Uh, he was given a five-minute major initially. It was uh, down to a two-minute minor. I was actually listening to the game on the radio uh, on Sirius uh, at some uh, listening on NHL channel and heard it, and then I had to go in because uh, go in and uh, take care of something. And so when I came back out to the car... I had no idea what was happening, and all of a sudden it's like 4-3 because it took that long inside uh, for me. But David Ayers, the Zamboni driver uh, for the what the Toronto Marlies, he also practices with the Toronto Marlies and the Maple Leafs when they need to give a goaltender a rest. He's a coach from a minor hockey team, a, a peewee hockey team. David Ayers, a 42-year-old, um, comes in, 
gives up two goals immediately. Uh, he just completely got fooled by John Tavares. The second goal really didn't have a shot. I mean, he made a, you know, like an initial save, just didn't have a shot on the rebound or the deflection. It's 4-3. Goes into the locker room. That winds up making uh, seven saves in the third period to uh, you know help preserve the victory for Carolina. They went six to three. Uh, Toronto radio is just absolutely melting down because <laughs> they expected them to get about five six goals. And uh, give them credit, you, you know, it's the guy who had a kidney transplant fifteen years ago. But one of the greatest stories I think we've seen in hockey. Uh, it reminds me of Scott Foster, but this guy had to play in half a game rather than what Scott Foster played seven and a half minutes. Yeah, I mean it's um, it's an awesome story. Very rarely in professional sports do you get to see something like this happen, where uh, someone's literal dream comes true and he's able to go in against uh, a team that's you know very potent on offense. I mean, you look at Toronto; they've got scores you know on their first three lines, very potent offense, and and he makes some some pretty big saves. So, um, you know, Matt and I were talking before this. I think we both agree is our player of the week, just because you don't see a story like this ever. Um, an awesome experience to watch to see uh, Carolina come in and just maul him when the final uh, siren went off and the game was over. And you know, just an just an awesome experience to to see it happen. And crazy that it comes on the actual anniversary of Miracle. It's like you said, Matt, a miracle in and of itself. Yeah, and uh, Aaron's is actually going to be honored in Carolina. Uh, he's going to be uh, ringing out the uh, the storm surge sound uh he will be doing that he's going to be honored i know he was given uh, uh the the mayor of north carolina or the what was it the mayor of rally or the governor of north carolina offered to make him a citizen of north carolina um yeah i mean look it, it was incredible uh, two very much needed points for carolina uh, we're going to touch more on carolina a little bit later on here but, yeah, just an incredible story. Uh, you, you know, if you have not seen the Rob Brindamore speech after the game, go see it. It is one of the coolest things. Uh, Aaron was also named the number one star. And then had to go to practice the next morning at 11.30 with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, no no rest uh, even when you're a superstar like David was. So um, just an awesome story and just another reason why we love the game so much. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, one more milestone accomplishment uh, over the weekend. Alexander Ovechkin on Saturday scoring his 700 goal against New Jersey. Uh, very cool moment. And we'll see if he can pass uh, Mike Gartner before the end of the year. I think he's, I think he's going to pass Gartner. I think he'll wind up uh, in seventh at the end of this year uh, with a real shot to get into the top four by the end of next year. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this in more detail. I think it was in last week's pod. Um, one of the greatest offensive players we've ever seen, and uh, I don't think there's any reason why we think he's going to slow down. I mean, he's just that good. So hats off to Ovechkin. Um, you know, he's going to have a lot more opportunities with some of the moves they made and this trade deadline, and I feel like that's uh, about as good of a segue as I can make into uh, the next segment of this pod. 
Absolutely. That's right. The trade deadline came and went today, and as always, the trades were flying in after 2 p.m. because it takes a while for the central office to go through all the conference calls and to get everything. The paperwork just has to be in, and they have to be notified, and then they can you know, do the call after the trade deadline hours. Uh, so people very busy. I wanted to go over some of the trades that happened from the time we went off. First and just kind of detail those. Uh, Vancouver traded Tim Schaller, prospect Tyler Madden, that's uh, John Madden's son, uh, a 2020 second-round pick and a conditional 2022 fourth-round pick uh, if Tyler Toffoli resigns uh, to Los Angeles and for Tyler Toffoli, who's had an impact with Vancouver. He has, what, four points in the first two games. Uh, he's had a huge impact. The Winnipeg Jets traded a 2020 third-round pick to the Ottawa Senators for defenseman Dylan DeMello. Uh, a nice little depth pick up there. The St. Louis Blues trade a 2022 second-round pick and a 2021 conditional fourth-round pick to Montreal for Marco Scandella. Uh, defenseman trying to bolster their depth and defense. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights trade a 2020 second-round pick and a 2021 second-round pick to Los Angeles for defenseman Alec Martinez. Washington traded a 2020 second-round pick and a 2021 conditional third-round pick to San Jose for Brendan Dillon, a rugged physical defenseman. The Winnipeg Jets traded a conditional 2021 fourth-round pick to Vegas for Cody Egan, giving them a little salary cap relief, which is going to help in some of the trades that they made later today. Boston on Friday made a huge move, trading a 2021 first-round pick, David Backus, and defensive prospect Axel Anderson to Anaheim for forward Andre Kase. And uh, finally, this came in late last night, and uh, Washington traded a 2020 third-round pick to Montreal for Ilya Kolchuk. So those are some of the trades. Then we get into the craziness today. There are just simply too many trades. I will run out of oxygen, I assure you, before recapping what the 20 to 30 trades that happened today. So what Zach and I decided to do is we decided to pick a couple of trades that we liked either earlier earlier, or today uh, that we liked. I, I chose a couple from today. You went uh, kind of all over the map. We were going to give them in snake draft style. So Zach, you had... So Zach, I gave you the opportunity for the first uh, pick in our trade deadline draft of who, what trades we liked and uh so we're gonna do it snake style so you can go ahead and have the first pick sure so the first uh trade that i really um liked and i thought was was a good move was between the penguins and the buffalo sabers pittsburgh trades dominic cahoon to buffalo in exchange for connor sheary and evan rodriguez and uh a few reasons why i really liked this move one uh, Connor Sheary returns to Pittsburgh, a great member of some of the, the great teams they've had in the past few years on some cup-winning teams. Um, Pittsburgh, you know, has, has made some earlier moves. It looks like they're going all in, adding Sheary as a good chemistry piece, um, a guy who's, you know, will give you what you need, not as a top score, but maybe as a good third-line presence. Um, just was a great move for a team that's going to be one of the best um teams in the East and have a real chance at winning the cup. And, you know, they give up Dominic Cahoon, who they got for only Mata last year. Feels like, you know, Cahoon is really in a good spot now in Buffalo. They've already got some good young pieces there. Cahoon maybe will have a little more freedom to move around um, and, and show what he's capable of. Obviously, 
a player that Matt and I are a little more familiar with from his time with the Hawks. So I think it was a good win-win move, uh, one for the future of Buffalo and two for Pittsburgh right now. So that was the first trade I'd, uh, I selected in our little snake draft here. All right. The first trade that I really liked was one between Edmonton and Detroit, which kind of made sense when you think about Detroit and uh, Ken Holland, the former GM there, now in Edmonton. So they traded for Andres Atanasu and Ryan Kuffner, two forwards. So Ryan Kuffner is just a little minor uh, forward who... You know, isn't he's only played in ten games, no points. But Antonasu has ten goals. Uh, I think he's a good little depth pickup for Edmonton that can use a little bit of scoring. They got rid of Sam Gagne and his contract, so uh, you, you know, trying to get Sam Gagne's money off the books kind of helped a little bit. Gagne's been really been uh, struggling this year. He's only got five goals, but you know, the Red Wings get two draft picks. I like what they did, getting two second round draft picks, giving up Athanasu. I thought they get, the Red Wings did a great job of getting a good price for um, from Edmonton. So uh, I really like that move. Uh, so that was one that I liked. And again, we really didn't put these in any specific order, but. Um, the second one that I liked was the New York Islanders got the work early today with the Ottawa Senators, and they picked up John Gabriel Pedro for a 2020 first-round pick that's conditional, a 2020 second-round pick, and a 2022 third-round pick that is conditional. But, you know, when you swing big for this, um, if the Islanders win the Stanley Cup this spring, they will also send Ottawa Senators a 2022 third-round pick. So you think about it, it's really for a first and second-round pick. And to get somebody like Pedro to help you with scoring, we know that Barry Trotz teams always struggle to score, but Pedro, 24 goals, 16 points, uh, 16 assists, excuse me, excuse me, he's got 40 points this year. He's on a, ch- on a pace to get 30 goals. This is somebody who is able to play, you know, 17, 18 minutes a night. He can help you on the power play. Pedro is just a good overall player. He's center. He helps you. You know you need centers at this time of the year. I really like what the Islanders did. For for a team that could definitely use more of a scoring punch, I really like them. And to give a first-round pick, it's not that bad bad of a deal. Yeah, certainly I think that um, that second pick you just... Uh, mentioned is is going to be probably the one that has the biggest um, I would say influence in what's going to happen. Obviously, the Islanders. I think right now they're sitting at the top wild card spot as uh, the Flyers have passed them up. But not only do they get him for uh, a steep price, but you pay that because you think you're going to resign him, and obviously they do shortly after the deal is made. So um, a great move there. My second pick was uh, between Washington and Montreal. A third-round pick goes to Montreal in exchange for Ilya Kovalchuk, um, someone who really has probably had the best fortune in the last couple months to go uh, from coast to coast and end up with a team that you know is going to be in the Stanley Cup race with the Washington Capitals. We talked for the last few weeks how the East is is great. I mean, when your when your bottom five or six contending teams are Carolina, Florida, Toronto. Um, Philly, that's already pretty stacked, but we didn't really think anyone was going to catch the top four, and it has just been uh, an absolute arms race. Obviously, Washington makes an early move with Brendan Dillon. Boston picks up uh, Kase to help on their end. Pittsburgh makes a few big moves with Zucker and and Shiri. Tampa makes the moves that they do, giving away some of those first-round picks they had. 
it's just an an all out battle to who is going to be the top team in the East, and for Washington to to add just another piece to an already potent offense. Um, if you look at their top nine right now, I mean Backstrom, Ovechkin, Oshie, Wilson. If Kovalchuk's your ninth best offensive player, um, when it comes down to it, I mean you're going to have a great a great chance as they make this Stanley Cup run. So um, I thought it was a great move for Washington there. My third trade that I particularly liked was uh, between Vegas Golden Knights and the LA Kings. Alec Martinez goes to Vegas for second-round pick in 2020 and 2021. Happened a little earlier uh, on this trade deadline weekend. And I just think it's a great move for Vegas. I mean, he gives you great depth. He gives you an offensive presence on the blue line, and he gives you that experience of of being there and and winning a cup um, and winning multiple cups at that. So, um, I thought it was a great move for Vegas. We've talked about how the Pacific has been so competitive. Who is going to make the move to put themselves, um, you know, at the top of that and have a great chance of making a run in the Western Conference? And uh, this move, along with others, I thought was a great, uh, a great trade deadline for Vegas. Yeah, I think you look at Vegas. I really like the acquisition of Alec Martinez. Uh, I just think that that's a great. You know, move and when you look at what Vegas did, and we're going to talk about them in our winners and, and losers segment. At least I know I am. Um, that that I really enjoyed what Vegas did, and so yeah, I I, I like what Vegas did, and yeah, just I, I'm a big fan. Um, okay, so we got to go into my last one, which is Patrick Marlowe. Uh, to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a 2021 third-round pick. And you remember Margot and Sidney Crosby have played together internationally. I'm not saying that Margot's going to be on the first line, but I would not be surprised to see him on the power play if they try to add him and get that connection going. There's a familiarity there. I love what Pittsburgh did. I thought Pittsburgh's done a lot of great sneaky moves with Jason Zucker and Patrick Marlowe. This team has firepower, and they're going to need it to get past Washington. I mean, those two had a phenomenal game last uh, last night, or last yesterday, excuse me, in the afternoon. It's that you look at Pittsburgh and Washington. I think that you can make a case that in that series, it's going to be the first to six goals who wins it every game because – they are phenomenally skilled, and I'm sorry, I, I, like their goaltending is both suspect on uh, for both teams. With that goaltending, it's going to be a big, big concern against whoever they have to play. Because let me tell you, you have Philly coming on strong, the Islanders coming on strong, and don't discount what the Carolina Hurricanes are doing right now, uh, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But, you know, you look at it, and I like what Pittsburgh did. Yeah, I know Marlowe's only got 10 goals, but, you know, this is a guy, this is a Ray Bork move for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and, and we'll see if it pays off. Much like Ilya Kovalchuk is a Ray Bork move for the Washington Capitals. Uh, it, it could be whoever contributes more between those two is going to be uh, the winner of that series, which I have a hard time seeing, seeing those two teams not meeting in the second round. And, and you look at what we could have in an absolutely potentially loaded second round in the Eastern Conference. Because, I'm sorry, I don't see either Toronto or Florida giving Boston or Tampa a competitive series unless something completely happens. And I really, you know, right now, it's if you want a winner in the Eastern Conference, it's those clear four teams because nobody really has improved themselves substantially enough to be a major, major threat in the lower half of the, the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, uh, 
again, we've said it, those those lower-tier teams in the East are still very talented and very um, very deserving of the spots um, that they make it there, but it's it's those four or bust, I think. There's a lot would have to happen for um, it to be any different combination of those four. And I just wanted to mention, as you know, we, we named Kovalchuk and we named um, Marlowe. Kovalchuk has been a little more... Uh, I don't know, controversial in the way he's handled himself. But to get two, you know, in, in my eyes, great players um, that have had these long careers to, to get a chance to go for a cup as they're on the back end, especially for Marlowe, someone who I think has played over 1,700 games, just an awesome opportunity to, to see that uh, now is as good a chance as ever as they're going to have to finally lift Lord Stanley over their heads. So, um, as hockey fans, some great moves to see um, some of the best of our generation have a chance. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And uh, it's always fun to see that come playoff time. We saw it here in Chicago with Kimo Tiemann. And, uh, you know, while he might not be on the same stature as Kovalchuk and uh, Marlowe, you, you do see guys like that every year. All right. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through our winners and losers and uh, we might have some on the same list as well. But uh, let's go with Edmonton. I, I like what Edmonton did. I, I think it helps solidify, you know, them as a contender when you have a team like Arizona that really didn't do anything today. Um, you know, I like what Edmonton did. I, I like what they did a little bit more in Calgary. I like uh, Antonesu. I, I just... You know, I think it's a depth pickup. I think it's something that Edmonton needed. So I had Edmonton as a winner, a very minor winner, but um, I like what they did. Yeah, agreed. And and sorry, Matt, I'm cutting in a little bit here just because I kind of cheated on your sheet and we have two similar winners on here. So I was just going to, uh, rather than go back to them, Edmonton finally making the pieces, um, you know, that have gotten them this far. They're giving them some help. I think it's uh, two great moves they did, and I'm just going to move into I have got Vegas as a winner. I know you do too. A great move with Martinez, a great move with Robin Leonard, um, a team that has the experience and, and has a chance to to make a deep run. I thought every move they made um, was well worth it. It'll be interesting to see if Vegas, if Robin Leonard is reinvigorated. He had a tough time uh, towards the end of his Chicago tenure, and we're going to get more into Robin Leonard, believe me, uh, a little bit later here uh, in our loser segment and in our special super loser segment when we talk about what the Blackhawks didn't do. Um I love the addition of Robin Leonard into Vegas because now you have Leonard and Flurry, a great one-two punch. If one struggles, you have another Fezna-type goaltender. Uh, you look at their back end, they are loaded. I love Alec Martinez on this team. Um, you, you know, they had to do some massaging of the gap. That's why Cody Eakin went away. But for a team that didn't make a whole lot of moves, Vegas, I thought, made a lot of right moves. And it's put, look at how they're playing now. Uh, they've won six in a row. Uh, they are starting to get hot. They beat Anaheim yesterday, beat a very good goaltender, John Gibson, who's just having a tough time with a team that's just dismantled in front of him. Uh, let's go to my last winner, uh, Winnipeg. I really like Winnipeg. I thought was underrated in what they did, getting Dylan DeMello, uh, just 
getting using depth moves for the Winnipeg Jets. I like what they did over the course of the trade deadline to try to improve their defense with Dustin Bufflin not coming back and just making those small little moves that, that kind of help out. And, you know, underrated, but this is a team that I, I like to get a wild card. I like what they've done. Uh, I'm trying to remind myself of the other moves that Winnipeg did because Winnipeg, uh, you know, getting Cody Eakin, a nice little depth move for the Winnipeg Jets. So I like what the Winnipeg Jets did. Uh, just, yeah, big, big fan. I'll go into my, uh, my third winner. I have is the Washington Capitals. I mean, this is a team that had been playing fine um, but wasn't exceptional by any means over the last few weeks. Pittsburgh was able to catch them um, and actually take first in the Metro for a few games. Uh, Washington beats them last night, so they reclaim it. Um, I just think the moves they made were solid. Obviously, they've got a great team already. The addition of Brendan Dillon to secure the the blue line, I think, was was a really strong move. Um, obviously, Ilya Kovalchuk will probably be you know a power play guy and on their third line. So I just think the moves they made kind of to secure um, one of those top four spots in the East and to um, you know have a chance to win the Metro outright, um, they had to. I mean, I already mentioned. Boston made their moves, Tampa made their moves early, um, and then it was an arms race with Pittsburgh and, and Washington all the way up through the deadline. So um, I've got them as my third winner of the day. Which is a lot for you, considering you like the other team in that division, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I thought I had a fantastic deadline. I, I thought there were a lot of teams that had a really good deadline, and, and so we're going to cheat a little bit when we get a little bit further in this. Okay, losers. I, I'm just going to get it out of the way. Out of the way. Chicago Blackhawks, hands down. Uh, they botched Eric Gustafson badly, get a third-round pick for him. They botched Robin Leonard, get a second-round pick, Malcolm Subban, and some college defenseman who's probably never, ever going to play for them. Chicago Blackhawks, uh, they are a big-time loser, and we will get more in-depth with the Chicago Blackhawks in, in a few minutes. Yeah, I know that's uh, it's been eating away at you since uh, we got together this afternoon. And I've been pissed at the Blackhawks for about the last four days. Yeah. When they started, uh, you know, Robin Leonard and Eric Gustafson, and there was not an immediate trade, I said, and looking at that, these trades came down to the final hour, and there's no excuse for it, and I'm not going to keep ranting because I'm going to save it for about five minutes from now. Yeah. It's. Uh, I, I think there's certainly reason to uh, consider the Hawks, even though we're, you know, we're – we're jaded as fans, just objectively. Uh, I feel like they really botched this whole last week. Uh, my first loser, the San Jose Sharks. Not that they were a team that was going to be competitive, but you know they didn't dump a ton of salary. Obviously, you get rid of Dylan early. Um, you you make the move with Marlowe. It's uh, they probably should have gotten rid of more because they're still going to have cap problems and they still are dysfunctional as a team. So. I just um, I expected more from them just to to kind of retool at a at a higher level. That's why I have the San Jose Sharks as one of my losers. My second loser, I have Detroit. Um, listen, this team sucks. Uh, let's just be frank about it. They've they've been bad. Um, I did take a chance on on betting on them last week in one of my uh, pod picks, and it actually. Um, actually worked out. I had them at plus one and a half and they won the game outright, which was just uh, absolutely bonkers that it happened. But this is a team, they they sold a lot of pieces. They got some good picks. They should have done more. Uh, they should have gotten rid of Darren Helm. They should have looked at Abdul Kader. 
Um, anyone who they called on other than a few names, they should have been willing to give up, even if they didn't get as much value as they wanted. Um, they should have just been willing to, you know, they're in a complete rebuild. There's a lot of pieces that aren't worth keeping. If they call, give them. I, that's just how I feel about when you're as bad as Detroit. So I have them as my second loser. All right. So my two losers are teams that did nothing today and they're in the playoff race. The Columbus Blue Jackets did nothing. Um, of any significance, they actually like to me got worse. This is a team. This is a team. Now look, Corpusal is back, um, and that might be a a help. But I mean, this is a team that did not do much. This is a uh, you know I was you know they got a sec- seventh round pick for Marcus Hanekin. Um, they got Devin Shore for Sonny Milano, but. Again, it's not anything like significance. And, you know, this is a team that can get a wild card spot. But, I mean, if they get a wild card spot, good for them. After getting training for a guy who has four goals. I, I don't understand what the Columbus Blue Jackets were doing, uh, you know, unless they're just punting on the season. So, yeah, a team that just perplexed me, you know, when you trade away Sonny Milano. And, you know, Milano's not, you know, Usually has more. He has more points in short. So I don't know. I didn't get it. Uh, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, this is a team that should be able to fully cement their status as the third uh, team in the Atlantic. And they trade for a guy who has two career games. They trade Jordan Schmaltz. Uh, I don't understand what the Maple Leafs were doing. <laughs> you know, they signed months into a contract that said for good for them, but. They did not improve their team. And if you think that you're going to go to a playoff series with the team that you have now, which just let a buttload of shots against a Carolina team that was playing your 42-year-old Zamboni driver and lost them, I don't know what you think you're going to do when you come time to play Tampa Bay or to play uh, you know, to play Boston because they, they are going to get run out of the building very, very quickly with what they did, and which was nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I feel like, and Matt, I think you agree, it's kind of split down the middle. A lot of teams won and a lot of teams lost today. It was uh, not a lot of teams just kind of, you know, sitting in the middle, um, considering how much action there was, kind of disappointing to see a lack of moves from some of these teams. I've got Florida as my third loser. I thought the... um, the Vincent Trocheck deal was um, questionable at best. I mean, obviously it sounds like out of their camp that, you know, there was some problems with him and maybe with Coach Q. Maybe, uh, you know, they were struggling finding a good line for him to play on. I still think the talent that he has and the return they got didn't really make sense. Um, this is a team that, you know, right now is on the outside looking in. I believe they're four points back. Um of the of the second wild card spot, I just don't know why they didn't make a, a bigger push, make a few more splashy moves. Um, this is a team that I think has the pieces to, um, if we were going to talk about any wild card team having the ability to go far with Florida's goaltending with their coaching, you could see them make that move. But Florida was just disappointing to me overall. Um, I thought Carolina came out like gangbusters in that deal for Trocheck, um, along with some of the other moves they made. So. It's, uh, I was a bit disappointed to see, uh, I know Matt, you know, this is a team that you like as well. Um, I thought they should have done more. So I've got him as my third loser. 
Yeah, and I can see that. One of the things that I really liked was the, uh, and we're going to go into a team that intrigued us. And so, yeah, I was surprised. First of all, they gave up, Carolina gave up four players to get Trocek. And, and not like any, you know, you have uh, Linus Walmart, who had a huge game on Saturday. You had the, uh, you know, Eric Halla. So, but, you know, they're, they went for a term in Carolina, and it's very clear. Um, okay, so my team that really treats me now is the one you just finished talking about, the Carolina Hurricanes. And what we're doing is teams that really intrigue us or that we like for the stretch run, and we're picking one, which makes it harder for us because there's a lot of moves that we like. I like the fact that Carolina basically went after to improve their defense before and try to get into the playoffs, and hopefully, you know, you will have uh, Brett Pesci back. The only thing that Carolina didn't do was improve their goaltending. And there's rumors out there that they were talking to the Hawks about Robin Leonard, like, literally within a half hour of Peter Morazic and going down and while David Ayers was in the game. But that the Hawks wanted at least one of the first-round picks that Carolina has <laughs> um, for Robin Leonard, who... I think would have been a huge improvement. I, their goaltending scares me right now with Anton For, Forsberg. But we'll see it's Forsberg and NHL goalie. But you get Vincent Trocek, you get Sammy Vonden, and you get Brady Skate. Um, I love the moves. I mean, you got two defensemen. You were, you were trying to replace Hamilton and Pesci. You get Vincent Trocek. You're very clearly just trying to stop every shot from getting to your goaltender now and to score outscore teams. I love what the Carolina Hurricanes did. They are a fun team to watch. I hope they make the playoffs because this team is always fun to watch when they get in the playoffs. Uh, I love that Carolina was aggressive. They gave a first-round uh, pick for Brady Skates. Uh, Skates. Uh, the only thing that, like I said, I kind of question is what's going to happen to their goaltending because it sounds like, uh, you know, Morazic, um might be out for a while. It sounds like Bernier might be back soon, but it sounds like Morazic. Morazak, it's going to be out for a little while here. Yeah, they're certainly, um, I think, one of the most exciting teams going forward just because they have uh, such an interesting dynamic in them, and you can never count them out of a game. I mean, they're scrappy, and they've got the offensive talent, um, but I agree with you. The goaltending's a big question mark, and um, that's not a good spot to be in as you're making a push towards the playoffs. My intriguing team... Uh, coming out of the, the trade deadline and just uh, other developing news is the New York Rangers. And um, this is a team that, you know, wasn't competitive for most of the season. They've been on an absolute tear lately. Currently they sit, uh, I think, two two teams back out of the wild card. They're four points back total, uh, tied with Florida at 70 points. Um, you know, the goaltending with... Um, the King with Henrik Ludqvist has been um, hit or miss this year, and then they have the the dynamic duo of um, Gorgiev and Shesterkin, who then is in a car accident last night, and um, uh, thankfully everything is okay—a broken rib, but not displaced. So um, he, you know, is going to be out for a couple weeks there. Um, then we look at some of the moves we thought they might make. Uh, we talked about Chris Kreider being one of the hottest uh, players available at the trade deadline. Um, they choose not to trade him, but rather sign him to a seven-year extension. Um, this is a team that I don't know if they're going to be competitive and make the playoffs this year. A team that I thought might be in a rebuild now seems to be in a retool. And, you know, you look at some of the pieces they have. Um, 
Artemi Panarin, who I think is um, one of the most exciting players of the um, of the season. You know, the best New York Rangers since you know Yager years ago. They've got the pieces, I think, to to be competitive next year and, and to compete for maybe a top three spot in their division. Um, not sure if they have it this year, but what a story they've been in up and down season. Um, you know, Chris Kreider, I think was a good addition for a team that wants to be competitive in the next three years. So, you know, even though you're signing him till his age 36 season, you're willing to live with that for four or five more good years. So just, uh, all types of intriguing for the New York Rangers. And, um, we'll see if they're able to stay hot and, you know, sneak into the playoffs as we get down to the last couple months. Yeah, the Rangers have been on a great run. Uh, Artemi Panarin, you know, if he gets them close to the playoffs, spot, or if he gets them in, deserves to be considered for the Hart Trophy. Panarin's been great. As you mentioned, the goaltending, it's going to be interesting to see what happens now um, after the car accident. Um, yeah, but just uh, surprising. Uh, what the Rangers have been able to do. I agree with you. Uh, another intriguing team. I like what they did. He ran a brain skins for a first-round pick. Um, like I said, really like what the Rangers did as well. All right. So if you'll indulge me, uh, us for a couple minutes, we're, we're going to go off on the Blackhawks. Uh, literally all for the last week, you've heard Eric Gutsons, and this team has just completely... Falling off a cliff. Eric Gustafson's going to get traded. Robin Leonard's going to get traded. Robin Leonard stopped. The, the coup that Robin Leonard was gone was when he stopped talking to the media. Uh, what, Wednesday? After the game, he had to be forced to go talk to the media. And then on Friday, he refused to uh, talk to them And after practice. <sighs> Stan Bowman needs to be fired right now for bungling this. And, and I think I told you, Zach, that and I'm not the biggest Eric Gustafson fan, I admit it, you get a third-round pick from Calgary when you very clearly should have been able to get a second-round pick for some of the guys that were traded today. To not get a second-round pick for Eric Gustafson, you know, when you've had all this time, you completely bungled this in that you should have gotten the first-round pick last year for Eric Gustafson if you had the brains to trade him and realize that you need more and more picks. You give Robin Leonard to Vegas... For a second round pick. And then you get a crap defenseman back. And you get Malcolm Subban. And you have no need for Malcolm Subban on this roster. I understand that Vegas wouldn't be able to ha- have Malcolm Subban on their roster either. But you have no reason to take back Malcolm Subban unless you're flipping him. Call up Colin Dahlia. Call up Kevin Lakinen to be the backup goaltender. Your season is done. You suck. And my God, I hope there is a... Full on house cleaning this offseason. Colleton needs to go. Bowman needs to go because you can't trust Stan Bowman to, uh, you know, in order to rebuild and to manage assets. And and he completely bungled this to get a second round pick and a third round pick, a goaltender and a crap defenseman who's not even in the top 10 of Vegas prospects. It's unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Did I, did I miss something? Apparently, draft picks aren't worth, worth shit anymore because teams were handing them out like candy. I mean, the fact that that's all you get for, you know, two players with really good value is um, it's just it's clear that teams know that they're dealing with some inept management because there's no reason why Leonard shouldn't net you a, a first-round pick at a minimum. Uh, you know, forget the crappy players. You're looking at multiple picks there along with the first. I think Gustafson has good value. They've They've obviously... 
decided for a while that he's not part of the long-term plans, why, why'd you hold on to him, have him lose value, and then undersell on him? Um, why didn't you look at getting rid of more players? You know, you're, you're already punting on the season. It's clear that the players have given up. Um, I agree. I mean, we've been talking about it since October, November. We wanted these guys gone. Then they gave us some hope for the, you know, a couple months after that. But it's still clear. Uh, Colleton's not the right guy. Bowman's probably overstayed his welcome with some of the, the moves he's made. Um, that was just so evident to me watching Panarin the last few games. I've gotten a chance to see him and just how good he is um, and to see what we got back for him, even though it was a bit removed a couple years ago. But it's just it's disappointing to watch because, again, you look at those core pieces that, you know, there's still good talent. It's just everything's been used incorrectly the deals that were made were mandatory and you needed to get some value for these guys before you lose them, but then you don't get enough value. It's uh, just very disappointing. And um, yeah, I mean, I, that's just all you can say about it. There, there needs to be some major changes um, for the Hawks moving forward. You know, you can't blame Brandon Saad for the Artemi Panarin training. I think people do. Brandon Saad isn't Artemi Panarin. Brandon Saad, was lifted up to mythical proportions because he played on the line with Jonathan Tate and Marion Hosa, and you know in the 2015 Cup, and so he was lifted to mythical pr- proportions, and he's not that. But Brandon Sod's never been that guy, and it's like we want to force him and pigeonhole him and blame him, but Brandon Sod's not a guy that creates offense. You know he has to have guys that create for him. Um, look, they need a lot of help, and unless they have lottery luck. You know, and is able to get the number one pick and get Alexis Lafreniere. This team is right now in hockey purgatory. They're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over. And it's just frustrating to see. And my God, if I have to see Stan Bowman continue on with this, you know, half ass rebuild job, you know, it's awful. And you're right. They should have gotten rid of more players. If you're kind of committing to this rebuild now, that you know it's going to be a project. You need to get rid of players. You need to make more impactful moves. And they just didn't. And a lot of it is, really, look at half their forwards. Do you really want half their forwards? And I'm not talking about Taysen Kane. People who say, oh, get rid of Taysen Kane, you can't get rid of Taysen Kane. They have $10.5 million contracts. And very clearly, if you were going to trade them, do you trust Stan Bowman to do it? Because I don't. So, you know... You know, Kane and Tate, you are better off without them. If you don't have them, then you're the Detroit Red Wings right now. And you don't want to be that. So, uh, you know, my God, you know, his whole motto was to get back the second round pick that he lost in the Andrew Shaw trade. And all he did was get an extra third round pick when you look at it. And it's unacceptable when you have a goaltender like Robin Leonard to not insist on more. And just hold on to him then. <laughs> just, oh. Frustrating. It's all get out. Yeah, and it's you know one of the worst words you can use in in all major sports is tank. But let's be honest, they got lucky with getting the number three overall pick last year. Um, they can't count on a miracle happening for them again in the draft lottery. Um, so you start selling off players. You admit that the season's over, and then you just start working for a better spot because, like you said, you don't want to be stuck in this quote-unquote retool where you don't fully commit one way or the other, then you're stuck picking. If if you remain competitive enough to be just a few points outside of the playoffs, great. Now you're picking around 12 to 15 where there's still good pieces but no guaranteed locks that you're going to get in a top-five spot. 
you have to you have to make a choice towards one end or the other and commit. There's no there's no use being a middle of the road team. You're never going to have a chance to win. You're never going to be bad enough to get some rebuilding pieces. Um, that every move, it just seems like every move they make, they're botching it, and uh, it's again clean house. I mean, we we've thought that's the move to go. They gave us a, a little bit of hope, um, which we were gullible enough to take for a few months there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's on ownership now to to decide where they want to go with this team, and um, it's up for the fans to decide, you know, what they're willing to to deal with now as um, as the Hawks move forward. It'll be interesting to see what happens uh, here going forward. I, it, you know, right now I think they've been seventh or eighth uh, worst record in the NHL. They're better than the three Pacific Division teams in California. Detroit's better. Uh, they're better than Detroit, Ottawa, and New Jersey off the top of my head. So that would put them at seven. Um, all right, well, let's just go to our game of the week because I because I lose more hair if I talk about this team for another five seconds. Uh, my game of the week is Edmonton at Vegas for Pacific Division Supremacy on Wednesday night. It should be a fantastic game. Vegas has been hot. Edmonton's heating up. I think that's going to be a fun one. When I last looked in the Pacific Division standings, I think yesterday, like all the teams were within, what, two, four points of each other, something like that? Six points, six points. Yeah, because of Vegas' is win. So. All right, uh, anyway, Zach, your game of the week. Yeah, that's a great game. Uh, I decided to mix it up because I thought that might be where you're going. I'm picking a game Saturday at noon central time, the Boston Bruins at the New York Islanders. Islanders fresh off making some big moves. Obviously, Boston, I think, still has the most points in the league, um, sitting at 90 right now currently. So I think it's going to be a great game. Expect a lot of offense and um, – We'll get to see some of these new faces as uh, these teams make a push for the Eastern playoff race. All right. Yeah, that should be a fun one as well. A lot of, a lot of good games this week. So uh, let's go to Smith's Hits here uh, this week and uh, take us home, Zach. Yep, we'll wrap it up real quick for you guys. Uh, Smith's Hits record on the season, 31-17 and 17 on the podcast, 63-41 and 41 overall. Three quick games uh, for tomorrow, which there's a lot of games tomorrow, only one tonight, so um, thankfully a better slate for the Tuesday night games. First one, San Jose Sharks at the Philadelphia Flyers. Flyers have just been on an absolute tear, sitting now the third spot in the Metro at 77 points. They're minus 205 on the money line. San Jose isn't good. Um, take the Flyers on the money line there. It's, it's good value for you. Second game, Columbus Blue Jackets at the Minnesota Wild. Columbus, I don't know what is happening with them. Uh, they can't seem to do anything right. Um, as Matt mentioned, you know, the, a lack of moves made at the trade deadline. Minnesota's minus 165 at home on the money line. I still think they're good value. Even though Minnesota didn't make too many moves, um, they're still solid enough to – and I th- still think they're playing for a playoff spot, which means they'll play hard. Columbus seems to kind of – mailed it in um, as we get closer to the end of the season. Final game, our disappointing and frustrating Chicago Blackhawks are at the St. Louis Blues. Holy crap, this feels like a miracle situation. I don't think the Chicago Blackhawks are the U.S. men's hockey team of 40 years ago. I don't think you should expect uh, an upset there. The over-under sits at 5.5. Take the over. St. Louis could put up 10 goals on them. I mean, who knows who's going to be in net 
for the Hawks. We'll see if Crawford's able to to stay motivated motivated for the rest of the season. Um, I think the Blues light up the Hawks. I take the over. I think it's an easy pick on that game. All right, yeah. So those are Smith's hits, and uh, get those bets in now. Uh, really quickly, one last note: the uh, St. Louis Blues will be the Minnesota Wilds' opponents for the Winter Classic next year. So before I forget to do that, uh, the cool video with Joe Mauer and uh, Justin Morneau playing catch and announcing it. I think on top of the Twins dugout. So, uh, so that is the Winter Classic. Uh, thank goodness. Uh, I think it's that's a good choice. For the Blues, I would have liked the Winnipeg Jets, just that Winnipeg-Minnesota rivalry, but what are you going to do? So, that is our recap of the trade deadline. It's our recap of everything. Next week, it will just be me solo. Sat's got some stuff to do and stuff to take care of, so it will be me solo, but tune in. Uh, that one should be dropping probably a little bit earlier than normal, uh, probably around lunchtime on Monday at the latest will be when the pod drops next week. So, for Zach, I'm Matt. Have a great week, everybody.